Okay, we should now be recording, and this is a special podcast episode featuring myself, Johannes, Dennis, and Danny McGee. We are, aka Matthew, and we are going to be chatting a little bit about the sometimes controversial game, Burning Wheel. Now, if you're not aware of this, Burning Wheel is a fantasy role-playing game, and I forget the name of the person who wrote it. I'm sure Johannes can fill me yep. in. Is it Luke, Luke Crane? Crane. Yep. Luke Crane, yeah. Luke Crane. It comes in... The most recent version is this gold uh, edition revised, which I'm sort of holding up now, so you won't be able to see that on the podcast. But it's a fairly small, sort of almost A5-sized book, but it's about an inch thick, so there's a lot in it. And there's also the Burning Wheel Codex, which is like the sort of second book, which is of a similar size. And that has a lot of stuff about how to run the games and optional rules and stuff like that in it. We also have Dennis and Matthew, who... I think it's safe to say, guys, you've got no direct experience of Burning Wheel. I don't know if you've read it or anything like that. I've heard people talk about it, and obviously I know Hannes' love for it, but I've not played it myself or ran it. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm in the position of I've not read it myself, despite having both of the books. Uh, I'm about halfway through reading both of the books. I'm sort of working my way through them. I'm quite enjoying what I've read. Um, have you actually run the game, Johannes? Or have... yeah, I've I've run several campaigns. And okay. I've I've read the books. <laughs> so so we've got Johannes acting as like the resident expert on Burning Wheel now. If if you're going to try and sum up the sort of like the core mechanic of Burning Wheel, say like if we're talking about D twenty, you know mm-hmm. you've got like you roll a D twenty, you add various bits and pieces, you try and beat a certain number. That's mm-hmm. the core mechanic. What would you? What's the core mechanic of Burning Wheel like, Janus? Um, Burning Wheels like there's a couple of different like basic things, uh, but like the most most common uh, would be you want your character to do a thing and there is an obstacle in the way and you roll a die pool which just comes straight from a stat that you have on your character sheet. So let's say you have um, B4, which I'll, we'll get all to all that maybe <laughs> later, but let's say you have four power, which is like your strength, your physical prowess, and uh, you want to arm wrestle. Uh, and it's it's significant in some way. So you would roll your power, uh, which is four d6s. It's a d6 a dice pool game, and um, uh, one to three are failures, and uh, four to six are successes. This is uh, subject to change uh, with some other mechanics, but that's the basic. Like out the gate, that's what you would do with your character. You roll d6s, and um, it's fifty fifty success on each die. Now, one of the things I noticed about the mechanics when I was reading through it, and that particularly struck me, um, and I, although I've not played Burning Wheel, I've played the the Mouse Guard RPG, which is like a sort of simplified mm-hmm. yeah, version, yeah. but like the core rules are very much the same. Uh, one of the things that struck me about both Mouse Guard and Burning Wheel, looking at it, 
is that the scope of like the tests that you can do mm-hmm. it can can be a lot broader. So again, I'm I'm just going to keep using D20 for an example because it's something everyone's familiar with. But like in a D20, like your your action tends to be something fairly immediate. You know, can I hit this guy with a sword? Can I mm-hmm. leap over this chasm? Can I run across the bridge before it collapses? That sort of thing. Whereas you can do that in Burning Wheel, but a lot of the examples suggest it can be a lot broader. So if you're like Oh, I want to! I want to sneak past this guard and steal something from this dockside warehouse. That could all be incorporated into a single role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Burning Wheel has uh, subsystems which go into uh, like fine grain. Uh, I'm blanking out on the terms now. Uh, task resolution and. Uh, then like it, burning wheel operates very much on uh the conflict resolution scale by default like just like most of the stuff that you do can just be one role depending on uh like if we're using subsystems or no uh to your example uh, with the warehouse sneaking if there's a guard and you want to sneak into the warehouse to steal stuff um you could do that with one role you could also state with your with your assassin character um, you could state that you want to poison the uh, arch wizard of the town, and you tell the person running the game how you will do that, and that can also be distilled down to one role. It's going to be very difficult because you're like the scale is is longer, and there are more things that can go wrong. So if you're standing like outside the city and you say. I want to sneak in and poison the arch wizard. Uh, that will be very difficult because there's a bunch of stuff in the way. Uh, you could break that down to like smaller chunks to uh, like make it more bearable. Because I'm guessing your character would not succeed at that. Because like let's say you're a novice assassin, you're probably going to fail uh, in in your intent. But yeah, you you could do. Uh, Basically, like the scale is infinite uh, within reason. Uh, obviously, like you can just say, like I become an alien and I have a saucer there, and <laughs> I'm gonna go off on space adventures. That's probably not gonna fly because that's probably not the, what the game is about. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I quite liked about it as well is uh, sort of reading through it is the idea of when a player says, like, to can you using our example, says I want to um, sneak past the guard and break into a warehouse the GM as well as telling them the difficulty of the role also tells them sort of like from from the get-go what's going to happen if they fail that role so you might say oh yeah I'm going to try and break into the warehouse sneak past the guard and I might say okay well if you succeed on that role this is the difficulty however if you fail that role the guard is going to grab you call for some more guards and you're going to end up in the town jail and so you can then either choose to be like, well, do you know what? I don't fancy that. I'm not actually going to go for that role. I'm going to think of something else. Or you can go for it, but you know what the consequences are going to be if you fail. Correction, John. Are you allowed to chicken out? No. You can finagle. Uh, you can adjust. But once you say as a player, I will do this thing, and you get the difficulty you're locked in. It's called no weasels. <laughs> That's a rule in the game. No weasels. So uh, if you're standing outside the gates and you go, I want to murder the king. And I say, well, it's difficulty 20, bitches. Uh, 
you're 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 like you're going ahead because you don't know as the character that it's going to be very difficult. Well, maybe you do, but you're dumb. But um, also kind of like the the potence of the failure aspect of it depends on uh, like if if the role is to sneak by one guard mm -hmm. and you fail, then you is uh, let's say you get spotted by the guard and that is the consequence of the failure, right? Yeah, I mean, but maybe... you, can, you can say, I want to sneak into the compound and steal the secret thing you may do. And then the concept of the failure is that you get captured and put into a, uh, a jail, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. very, very much so. I mean, the idea is that the consequences should be proportional to whatever you're attempting. So, as you say, Dennis, if you're like, oh, I'm going to just like try and sneak in here past a guard, and that's all you're trying to do. The consequence will be less than if you're like, oh, I'm gonna sneak in past the guard, sneak past everyone in the royal palace, steal the crown off the king's head, paraglide out of the window, and run away into the night. Yeah, retire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to go back a little bit, so you cannot back out of a test once you've stated that you are trying to do a thing which requires a test, but you can sort of negotiate a little bit uh, within the thing. So if you say. I will murder this this guard that's like guarding this warehouse because I want to go in. I will murder the guard, and that's good. That this like bleeds into a discussion that we also need to have, which is like you just stated your intent. So your intent is to murder the guard in order to get into the warehouse, and the next thing you need to state is your task. So how, like, by what means are you doing this thing? And if you say, I will cook a, a delicious portion of soup and uh, I will put in uh, fish bones <laughs> to make him choke and die. Uh, and I will go to serve the soup to him. That will be quite difficult, but if we sort of like adjust that a little bit, maybe you instead of going with the the fish bones are the things that kill the guard maybe you instead you have the soup and you poison the soup and then you go to the guard and they're like here's some soup for you and he's like oh thanks and then he eats it and it's poison and he dies well uh, oh, the soup is a distraction while you crush his skull with you mean yeah yeah but then like that's that's the sort of like trying to figure out like what is the thing that you're actually trying to do here and uh, you can you can negotiate a little bit there uh, in that space but yeah, I was going to say, um, how much, uh, how much sort of leeway do you have in terms of that like negotiation? Because obviously, if you're saying like, right, I'm going to sneak past the guard and break in, you're locked into doing that. So whatever you're doing has to accomplish that goal or be towards that aim. Yep. How much sort of finagling room or leeway do you have to actually sort of work I, with that? There's no like, as I think maybe obvious, it's it's not like a hard and fast thing. Um, the hard and fast thing is like you you can't weasel out of a thing that you you've gone in to do so once you get the difficulty then that's basically so yeah i guess that's that's the way to look at it like when you get the difficulty that's you done like that's that's you're going forward and you're executing the thing so that would be like before um the, the you get the difficulty when you've established what you're going to do so you do a little bit of wrestling beforehand and then once you've decided whether you want to stab the guy, whether you want to serve him poison uh, or some other stuff, uh, then you go on to the difficulty bit. So uh, like that, that's where the negotiation lives, sort of like if you say that I want to tell a weaponized joke to the guard and he's going to die laughing, I'm probably going to look at you like, hmm? 
<laughs> you, you, you're sure? You're sure about that, John? Because that sounds like a far-fetched thing, which is me saying, John, dude, is you're not going to pass. It's going to be a failure. See, now, like I say, the, the whole thing about like knowing the consequences before you get into it, I, when like Lloyd ran a couple of games of Mouse God that I played in, I really enjoyed that because it sort of built up the tension when you were making the dice roll. If you see what I mean, because it's like, like in Mouse God, obviously you're playing like these tiny like mice, yeah. and it's like you've been doing something like, oh, we, there's, there's a huge hawk like flying over, and it's going to come down and try and like, pick one of you up in its claws mm-hmm. and carry you away to its nest to like eat you, and you're like, oh right, okay, I'm going to try and like hide under this log and like pull some moss over me, and uh, the, the GM will be like, well, the consequence of failure is that bird's going to grab you in its claws and it's going to fly off with you. Mm-hmm. So like, when you're making that roll, you're like, there's extra tension because you know exactly how bad yeah. it's going to be if like, yeah. that shit fails. And this also gives you the opportunity to properly invest if you if you want to with any sort of resources you may have. So if you if you have like extra dice you can use, you're pro- if, if you don't want to get grabbed by the hawk, you're just like, oh, I, I better use this. That, that's it. I mean, because th- there's none of this, like, in some games, if you don't know what the consequences are going to be, and you've got, like, fate points, hero points, whatever whatever there would be in the game, the, the, there can be a bit of a tendency to sort of, like, go, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be all right. You know, like, I, I don't maybe want to use all of these. I want to save some for later. Whereas if you know sort of like, exactly how bad it's going to be if things mm-hmm. go wrong... You can then sort of say like, "Oh shit! Well, like, I'm probably going to die if this dice goes wrong. I'm going to like throw everything I've got." And I, and I mean, I, I was pulling out like pretty much every, in that situation. I was pulling out like every like modifier I had, like including like, mm-hmm. going, like "Oh, my char- my character's got the merit." Like, well, like the floor like fat because I'm like some overweight like mm-hmm. mouse. So like, can I get an extra bonus because like I'm maybe heavier to like pick up than one of the other mice and like, stuff. like literally like everything I could come up with like. That was on my character. Sheet. I was like, right, I need to throw that at this dice to make sure, like, I succeed on this um, roll. Mm, save your furry ass. That's it. <laughs> uh, one of the things I, I also like about that sort of mechanic is the idea that um, you once the once the resolution has been achieved, whether success or failure, you can't reattempt that exact same roll unless the mm. circumstances change significantly. So it's not as if a case like if in D anD D or something, and you're like, oh, I don't know, you're like. Oh, I'm searching a room and the gym goes, oh, you don't find anything. And you're just like, oh, well, can I like wait a bit and like try searching again? Can I kind of like uh, look under a few different things and like try and like remake the same role? It's like once that's happened, unless there's dramatic change in the circuit. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to, um, we're being pursued by some orcs. I'm going to like hammer an iron spike in at the bottom of this door to try and wedge it short and like put some, put a barricade behind it to stop them getting through. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, well, if you fail this role, the consequences are they've smashed through the door and the orcs are now in the room and they're coming for you. It, you, it, you then can't go like, well, I can I put some extra stuff against the door to like barricade it even more. Yeah. Well, I kind of like that because then you have, like, there's a, there's a result from succeeding and there's a, so, so a result from failing the role. It's not like, oh, I fail my role and nothing happens, so I'll just try again. And then you have a lot of, uh, I don't know, dead, dead dice rolls that goes yeah, nowhere. I think. Yeah. This, this is very entertaining, I feel, uh, when there's like a fight going, uh, regardless of whether it's to the death or no, because it, it, it makes for some like incredibly fun descriptions of stuff when you like... You, you, you pull your sword and you're like, ha ha, on God, have at the villain. 
and uh, you start sword fighting with this guy, uh, and you both roll your sword because that that's what you do. You roll your sword skill, you get uh, a tie. Cool. You are matched in this. You you cannot beat each other with your sword skills. So what do you do? You move on to the next thing to roll for. So maybe you go for. Um, okay, so I'm 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 gonna try to do some like agility shit. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna start dancing around this guy, and maybe that'll help me. So you you start like looking for the next thing to do. So if you if you tie for the agility as well, maybe you move on to just like pure strength, and it turns into sort of like you just locked in uh, with your rapiers, and you're basically you're just wrestling at this point. And then you fail that, like, or may, yeah, fail. I mean, you you tie that as well. And then maybe you just move on to like your your uh, stamina. <laughs> just like, how long can you keep this up? And it turns into one of those uh, movie scenes that I really enjoy, where two people just like beat the living hell out of each other, and they're just like trashed at the end because like the the skill failed. They move on to power that doesn't resolve the thing and they just move on to like pure willpower by the end that's pretty fun and it's also uh, this this thing is called let it ride so if if you're trying to jam the door you fail you're not going to jam that door uh, until like something happens someone brings over uh, like a huge stack of stuff for you to put in front of the door that, that might help um, or you reinforce the door, like you, you like nail some more stuff on it or whatever. But uh, you, you're not going to be able to do that. And that will stand for the whole session. That also goes for like positive stuff. So successes also stand for the session. So if you were to sneak into the castle and you succeed, as long as you're sneaking in the castle, you're succeeding this session. So you can do that. Until like circumstances change, of course. If you cause an alarm, that's you done. But if you don't, you're good. Yeah, I, I quite like how it sort of links in with sort of like building up the like the campaign world effectively. So I, I seem to remember one of the examples it gives in the book is someone suggests their intent is they're going to they're going to like ins they're going to like raise a rebellion to like overthrow mm -hmm. a king and install themselves as like the regent. And it's mm -hmm. like obviously if you. The, the gem lists the consequences for that you know like you and your followers are like in the dungeons or whatever awaiting execution or whatever but if you succeed at that you're now the king of like this province or this country yeah. or whatever yep so so you effectively I, I like the fact that the characters intents directly impact on the narrative mm -hmm. and that then directly impacts on like the, the actual game world yeah yeah of course that that scope if you put that into one role, oof. <laughs> That's a, I, I'm going to start. I, maybe I'm a noble even, but still, I'm a noble in the street, and I want to use my oratory skill to start a riot that results in me being installed as the local regent. Oof. <laughs> Without like other context, that's going to be a hard role, man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, I, I really love yep. the fact that... like. Like you say, it would be a ridiculously hard role, mm -hmm. but I like the fact that the, the the sort of scope you go for is entirely down to like the player's judgment with their yeah. intent. So there's nothing to stop you saying, "Oh, I want to do that." The GM will be like, "Yeah, that's going to be like a ridiculously difficult role." Mm -hmm. But if you and it, but if you choose to do it, knowing that there's going to be like serious consequences because it's a massive, a massive sort of scope of mm -hmm. role, 
you've still got the opportunity to do that. It's not just the GM like going like, oh no, you can't do that. That's, but, that's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, I understand a lot of it is uh, going to come down to uh, educating at the spot. So, I mean, let's say if we start out with a difficulty of 40, right? Is that, let's say I'm standing on a street corner and I'm, I want to be a, I want to be the duke of this mm-hmm. uh, this place. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to stand here on the street corner just proclaiming I want to be a duke. So let's mm-hmm. say that the difficulty is absolutely insane. I don't yeah. know what the max it, it would be. Well, what the max <laughs> difficult would be, but for argument's sake, let's say 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so could I get it down to 30 if I said I, uh, I would employ the, the famous bard to sing my... Uh, acolytes yeah like uh you you would though like this this goes into like how this game actually works is if you stand on the corner and you say i want to be the king and i will also want the help of my friend who is the maybe no you just go i want the help of this famous bard to sing a song about me we're not going to deal with you standing on the thing. You're going to go meet the famous bard. So you're going to roll for that. You're going to look for them. If you do manage to find them, you're going to try to convince them to make a song about you. You're going to try to convince them to make us sing the song about you in the streets. And then we might get on to you standing in the street and being like, I want to be the king. Uh, so that, that's not really how it works. You, you you need to do like the legwork, is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, you have the resources, right? Yep. Yeah. I forgot the, the actual names, mm-hmm. but you have all kinds of resources on your character sheet. Yeah. So, you could have. Yeah, you, you could be friends. Like you, could, when we start the game, you could have bought uh, the legendary bard as your friend. Yeah. So what um, I'm I'm saying, I, I I will employ the resources on my sheet. Mm-hmm. Can I lower the difficulty? When it comes to rolling, if I say I'll use uh, my uh, my bardic friend, I'll uh, I'll use my uh, immense gold treasure to uh, dole out gold pieces to, uh, mm-hmm. to other people to uh, buy my worlds. So you're you're Julius Caesar, is what I'm getting. Yeah, you you've come back from Gaul and you're just like dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> I want to be your friend. But I'm so, what I mean is what, one of Caesar's last um, quoted uh, speeches there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that was like uh, uh, like that didn't go far. That was scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> that was just on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, but I want to so let's say you I stand on and I just say I um, I won't do anything special. I just want to roll make the roll. And then we have a difficulty up here. So what I'm talking about, if we, if I say, oh, I want to do this, but this is how I want to do it. I want to employ this resource, this resource, and I want to use this favor or dirty secret. Is that how we lower the difficulty? No. Um, you, as a player character, you can influence the difficulty. There's more to say on this, but basically you determine the difficulty through my interpretation of what you want to do by stating what you want to do. Okay, so what that means is you're a carpenter. You say you want to build a box. Cool, that's not difficult. There's probably a thing in the book that says like how difficult that is. Cool, we're done with that. Then you go on and you say, I want to build a house. Uh, 
you say that you want to do a thing that's more difficult that gives the difficulty that which is higher um in order to move on from building boxes into building a house uh you probably want to get your materials you probably want to get the plans ready to go uh, you probably want to get help it's still hard to build a house though so you don't lower the difficulty of building a house down to the difficulty of building a box instead you're going to get more dice to throw at the thing okay so the difficulty is always set uh depending on what you're doing in in burning okay. wheel so, but so my, my you get more dice will, yeah uh, so my resource will bring me more dice to the... yeah yeah uh, yeah. Every every and, um, advantage thing. Yeah, sorry, John. No, I was going to say, and um, certainly the way I understand it, obviously, like I said, I'm only like halfway through the book, so mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Is as you say, the GM bases the difficulty on your description of how you're doing it. So if yep. I say, like, if I just go, I'm a carpenter, I'm building a house, and that's my description. Mm -hmm. the difficulty may be higher than if I'm like, right, I'm a carpenter, I'm building a house, but I've got X amount of money, I'm going to hire like a team of people, I'm going to get a draftsman in, we're going to do this, that, and the other. The, the, the initial difficulty may be lower based on my description of it, is that no, correct? No, the no, difficulty no. remains the same, your dice pool goes up. Yeah, you, you okay. get more... More dice to throw at the at the house project if you got all these things like if you got the the crew, if you got the plans ready from an architect, if you if you bought like a whole lot of tools and and whatnot, um, so you you get more of a chance to succeed. But difficulties are always set in Burning Wheel so unless it... unless you're you, you can always raise them. That's the thing in Burning Wheel. Like oh, things cool. get yeah. harder. Yeah, I mean I, I have known a role playing game where you can't make it worse for yourself. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if you take something similar like a chase scene, mm -hmm. right? and I say, yeah. okay, I wanna, I wanna chase down the darkness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just let it go, Dennis. Let it go. Yeah. I'll never let it go. So yeah. that's it's difficulty ten, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my athletic skills or whatever we used to run is yeah. four, and I say, eh, that's not good enough. I'm gonna use my trusted steed, Speedy Gonzalez. So I will mm -hmm. get more dice for that chasing, right? Because I used the horse. Yeah. Yeah, and your uh, uh, horse is going to be faster than you by default as well. So yeah, okay, cool, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's how it that's how it works. Okay, so just to obviously just to let anyone know who's listening, obviously we are literally going for sort of like a bare bones, like sort of surface skin. Yeah of the yes. game here there's a, i mean you can obviously tell from the fact that i've already misinterpreted things and i've only read like half the book there's a mm -hmm. lot of detail you can get into and one of the things i've often seen mentioned about burning wheel is a lot of people are sort of quite intimidated by the the complexity i mean i've seen loads of people who've said something to the equivalent of like oh it's like the best game i'm never going to run because it's too <laughs> complex true true that yeah true and that. it's like but the, the way the book puts it is like you have like the hub of the the wheel which is like the the sort of like the, the default sort of core mechanics that you, that yeah. you need to run the game and mm -hmm. then you have the the spokes of the wheel which are like various optional subsystems that you can bring in if yep. you want now mm -hmm. so having skimmed through a few of these i can see that if just like straight away on your first session you were like right we are using like all of these rules we are like all in i can see how someone would be like Yep. That, that's like too complex for me but i think the idea of the game is that like you don't necessarily use all of those subsystems at once and you don't have to use them all so i think yep. the i think the actual the actual sort of core mechanic of it 
is fairly simple. So I, I, I'd assume the way you do it, if you had like a new sort of group, you'd start off with just those core mechanics and then maybe start like incorporating a few of those extra like little bits in as you John, went along. John, you, you cut off there. So oh. you, 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 you cut off at when you start a new group. And then... Oh yeah, I was going to say, so when you start a new group, um, I'd assume you start off with the sort of like the core mechanics and then gradually as you all became more familiar with it, you'd maybe like incorporate in like one or two of these extra little bits so the complexity level might increase but it increased gradually and sort of in line with your understanding of the rules yeah you you can definitely do it like that and there's a whole bunch of stuff specifically in the codex by the way uh, which is the sort of it, it's like halfway a manual uh and a guide to playing burning wheel and like getting the maximum enjoyment out of it basically it's just like the creator talking to you about his 10 plus years of, of experience of best practices, basically. I mean, I've got then, a bit, I, I did find it a bit weird, so I've just started reading the codex. And I know you said this to me when I was talking about getting a copy, Johannes. It's like, yep. As I was reading some of the stuff, and it was clarifying stuff that was in the main book, yep. I was like, oh, w w why wasn't this stuff in the main book? Yes. But, but, but then sort of like looking back, because the main book is just literally like, here are all the rules, Yep. off you go. And the codex is like, oh, here's how I actually run a game and how you might want to run a mm -hmm. game. Yep. But um, looking at the main book and like how thick it is, I mean, we're talking, let's see how many pages is it? It's, a, it's like a little under 600 odd pages or something odd, something like that. Yep. So I can certainly see why they didn't then want to add like another 600 pages of like mm -hmm. extra stuff. Yep. So, and it's because... <laughs> The codex is as big as the main book, right? Yeah. And a lot of it is the like best practices, advice, things you uh, should maybe think about when when you start up a game and run it. Uh, it's it's a lot. Like <laughs> it's there's a lot of text in in that portion of the codex. But what what I was going for was uh, in the codex there are like new. <laughs> new subsystems, new, basically a, a lot of magic, a lot of different kinds of magic. And uh, it's, it says in the book, as in, I think, at least in parts of the main book, um, that if you're planning on introducing this stuff, like you just, everyone needs to sit down and talk about it. Like everyone needs to be made aware of what this thing is and whether or not we want it in our game. So that there's, there's a bunch of that that sort of like, baked in and kind of subdued in burning wheel where like you you talk about stuff before you do it you do, don't just bring in uh summoning in you into your game without talking to people about what it does and what it might mean for the game that you're bringing into but for your point john that is definitely something you could do you could start out the game with uh, some well, let's say you have one town guard, you have a hunter, you have a carpenter, and, and you have a town drunk. That's your party uh, to start with, and then you could bring in summoning uh, at at the point where this this ragtag group of country <laughs> heroes uh, they go into the the caves and they they murder the bandits because that's what they did. And the one of the bandits had this like ominous looking tome, and the drunkard is like. Well, watch this tome, and then, <laughs> then we go into well, uh, Samuel, uh, you've you just opened the the book of summoning, and let's let's all have a sit down after the session to talk about if we want to bring in summoning into this game or whatever. But like the point is like get get everyone's thoughts on things before you include them, because 
it, it changes the game because you you have this um, is related to the scope that we were talking about with the tests before. Yeah. So if you're a carpenter, it, I think it's fairly like self-explanatory. Like, what could you do with the carpenter? Uh, <laughs> like, it, you you couldn't really. I want to take over the town with my carpentry? Question mark. Uh, that's not something you could like do. <laughs> I don't think necessarily. Uh, if if you did, that would be amazing though. But if you're a summoner and you go, I want to summon uh, uh, like a demonic prince from the depths of the abyss, and I want to tell it to co kill everyone in the town. It could do that. <laughs> You, it, it changes the scope of what could happen in the game when you include these, some of these subsystems. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something I'm a great fan of. I mean, obviously, like a lot of the OSR games I, I run, I'll sort of bring in like little bits and pieces and extra rules from like different OSR games, but I'm a big fan of sort of discussing what's being bought in with the players rather than just sort of like springing it on the mid-game and being like, oh, yeah, we're using this now. So I, I really like that. Another thing I, I quite like is the the character genning uses like a life path system for it you know you're sort of like constructing your history as part of the character creation which i mean i've been a fan of that since seeing it in like the original like traveler sort of game and it's often a mechanic i'm surprised doesn't get more use in games now because effectively once you've sort of generated a burning i mean we, we see sort of like or how much background should you do for a character come up quite regularly in some various RPG forums. So I quite like the life path as sort of like a mid-ground between that because by the time you've generated a character in Burning Wheel, you've got, like, in a very basic term, you've got, like, their life progression to how they are when they start the game. So you've got, like, oh, I started off as a peasant and then I, I apprenticed to, like, the town blacksmith and uh, eventually I... Uh, I impressed like a noble and I became a member at court. And obviously you could fill in all the details, but you've got the sort of like the bullet points there already. Yep. So you're already sort of like linked into the game world effectively. I'm mm. a big fan of life paths as a character creation means. Uh, also because <clears throat> then you don't, you know, you, you might have, oh, I was a carpenter's apprentice before I became a wizard. And uh, then uh, you figure out, oh, I have no carpenter skills because I didn't give that option as a wizard. Mm -hmm. As a life yep. path, you will have carpentry and you will most likely have uh, the basic skills and then you have some wizardry stuff. Mm -hmm. So I yep. like that because you're not, it, it, it makes the character as a, as a, as a character. Yeah. It yeah. makes them a bit more sort of well-rounded, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 And it, it also like allows for, like more than just like I'm a wizard. Like, yeah, yeah I'm a wizard it's... now, but like you, you don't know me, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you have all the fun, uh, the fun other stuff. Like I, I grew up on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Now I've got the um, I've got the sort of character burner section open in front of me here, and um, one of the things it obviously includes are the the different. It's, by default, it's a, it's a fantasy game. Um, one of the things it includes in that in the main book, there's other options in the codex. It includes like four fantasy races, which are dwarves, elves, men, and orcs. And each of those races has like different life path options that you can choose based on your race, if I'm getting this right. Yeah. So when, you, when you're when you making like an elf or an orc, 
it feels more different from the start because you're progressing differently down different sort of life paths. Yeah, basically what the life path system in Burning Wheel does, it gives each of these, they call them stocks, so like Elvish stock. Is, is like your character could be off Elvis, Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be a thing. <laughs> um, you 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 could be an elf, and that would mean you get to choose from I forget exactly how many, but there are uh, what's called settings inside the Elvish um, uh, life paths. So like one of them is like wilder elves. So basically like elves living in in nature, like not in cities uh, and whatnot. Uh, country elves, I guess. Um, and there's a whole, there's probably like 20 different things you could have done uh, as as you are a, a wilder elf. So you you were born, obviously, like the, the first thing is always like you choose where you were born. So you were born in the wilderness and uh, maybe you were uh, a hunter as, as you grew up, like you were a young hunter. And then, um, then there was a war with the orcs or something and you uh like some elvish uh lord came from the citadel which is a different setting uh it's it's the town setting for the elves uh, a lord from there came over to you guys in the forest and said our need is great and dire and we need to conscript the whole lot of you we need to go and defend our lands and then you uh, choose, you were born in the wilderness, you were a hunter, you were conscripted, so you move on to the protector setting. So you are now uh, a professional soldier in the elven society. Basically what these settings are, are like chunks of civilization for, for this particular species. So elves have like the wilderness setting, they have the citadel setting, the, the city elves, they have the protector setting, the professional like army stuff. Then then they have the... Ethark setting, which is the like elvish nobles like you have with Elrond and Galadriel, um, and all of these have uh, a, a lot of different like occupations and positions in society that you could do, and you can you can pick from the the setting that you're in. So let's say you're in the wilderness, you were born there. You can pick f- freely within the restrictions of of those life paths. You could pick any life path uh, set from the wilderness so you could be born there you could be a hunter you could be uh a a fisherman and then you could be like the head of a household and the elder of of your tribe or whatever uh or you could like as like i described you could switch settings as as your character progresses you could be born in the wilderness and you could end up as the like king of the elves okay so you can mix and match like yeah you, you can you can move from like each path uh, in in these uh, settings has what's called leads. So if you are uh, if you chose if the last life path that you chose has leads in it, it could also just have nothing, which means you need to stay in your setting. But okay. if it has leads, you can switch to one of those settings. Well, well, let's let's say uh, our elf has born a, a wild elf. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the whole uh, war coming with the orcs. Mm-hmm. But our elf, instead of being conscripted, is taken as a slave mm-hmm. for orcs. Can we move into orc territory no. with our elf? No, we uh, all of the stocks are restricted to their own own stuff. So you can have a elf wilder that is an orcish midwife. No, 
uh, and I believe there are no Orcish midwives in the Orc setting. So, <laughs> but yeah, you you uh, you can't do specifically that. Well, you would have to, in that sense, because uh, I don't think because the all the elf stuff is like the way that elves want it, because they usually get what they want. Uh, so I don't think they probably have uh, like a captured in like a captive of war thing. Uh, which the humans do, like they have a whole different setting of like, this is where you get fucked, and, <laughs> and uh, you, there's uh, a slave, uh, there's the captive of war, uh, and and all that goodness. But for the elves, in that sense, uh, you would have to go and like pick maybe one of the maybe maybe the orcs raided your your shit, and uh, you just include that as your uh, like stuff that you add on top of your life pass afterwards. With the humans, you could definitely do the whole, I was enslaved, oh no. It, it was 20 years of horrendous shit. Okay, so so <clears throat> Mr. Crane doesn't want us to have an elf and then say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna pick the human life path no. over here and attach that. No, no, that, that is not something you can do like out of the book, no. And that that speaks to how like this this game is is Tolkien flavored to the extreme with mm -hmm. the, the serial numbers filed neatly off. But um, th this what that means that you can there there's no like elven slave life path. It it speaks to the way that these things are portrayed in in fiction. So the the orcish uh, the elvish slaves don't really exist they get murdered when they're captured because their their opponents hate them the orcs hate the elves so that's the the sort of like flavor that these paths are written from and as a result you don't get the elvish captive of war okay how about an elf that was murdered then became an undead i mean how weird how weird can you do go with the cranes game here i mean does he have like that monster life paths uh there's that's an interesting thing because burning wheel doesn't really treat like monsters as separate things uh in the base book you have men elves uh dwarves and orcs uh the orcs are horrendous uh and th there's like tolkien's orcs their lives are just suffering <laughs> all day every day okay. uh, but uh, in the Codex, you get additional life paths. You get the Dark Elves. Uh, these are not drought. These are like Tolkien elves that have kind of started slipping uh, with with their hope for yeah, anything. The, 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 the like the, the like the Tolkien elves who were like three days from retirement and they've had enough of this shit. Yeah, and, like, and like these these fucking humans. <laughs> yeah, and and instead of just getting like, I mean, we'll talk about the specific traits that non-humans get later, but. Instead of just like giving in to like despair and being like, oh, everything's passing away, uh, you know, I'm watching all my loved ones die, you know, eventually I too am going to pass away from this world. That their ones have like been consumed by the, the sort of like the spite and the like hatred of all this, where they're like, they're like, oh, you know, I'm not just going to like meekly accept, you know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's all like these guys' fault who are like causing it. Fuck those guys. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the special characteristic, right? I mean, with the greed and uh, the faith. Yeah, and, yeah. Awesome. So, like, these are elves that have gone beyond, like, I mourn for the, for the damage done to the world, and you move on to, like, dude, like, fuck these guys. Am I right, Elrond? Like, fuck them. 
they are the cause of all this <laughs> shit. Uh, and and maybe you act on it and and you it, it, do bad stuff. I mean, admittedly, I'm not a. I don't know much about Middle Earth and Tolkien. Mm-hmm. But is Dark Elves? Is that does that come from him too? Uh, it's not like it's it's not Dark Elves as such, uh, but it's it's the. Um, it's more the Dragonlance Dark Elves, right? Rather than the Drow. Yeah, yeah, I, I would guess so. But this is basically uh, Crane putting words on an idea, uh, more so than like direct Tolkien influence. Like he, he doesn't like Tolkien doesn't really have like the Goth Elves, but it, there was like Elves were uh, doing civil war way before <laughs> humans got everything messed up, so they they were murdering each other uh, a lot and. Um, that's sort of, I guess, where uh, Crane picked this up from. Like, there's a point where you no longer go, "Oh man, we we've lost so much." Like, why? And then when that breaks you, you go on to fucking let this everything burn. Yeah, I mean, so to, to give a very simple example of a life path, the sort of example that's given at the start of the main Burning Wheel book is the farmer life path, which is a, a human life path. And it also, how, as well as determining, you know, sort of like the fact that you've been a farmer and various other bits, I like the fact that it also tells you how much time that takes. So for the farmer, it lists eight years. So in order to become like an actual proper sort of farmer, it's going to have taken you eight years. So when you've done all of your life path, you add up all the number of years, and it's not just like, oh, how old am I? Like, roll on a table. You know, they're like, right, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm 50 years old because I spent eight years as a farmer, then I spent this many years as a soldier, and then I did this, that, and the other. But as well as that, you also get, um, it lists, so time eight years for a farmer, resources five, which is you know, how many resource points you've got to buy material possessions and stuff. You get... It tells you how many sort of stat points you get. So you get like plus one stat point for being a farmer, which you add up all your life paths to determine like your pool of starting stat points. You get a number of skill points to spend, and it also gives you a list of skills that are appropriate for being a farmer. So if you take the farmer life path, you get eight points of skills, and you also gain access to farming, mending, animal husbandry, weaving, cooking, sewing, fire building, and sing. So, effectively, you're, you're constructing a pool of skills that you can take from based on your life paths. You also get additional traits. Um, the one listed here is hoarding. I can't remember exactly what that does, but <laughs> I'm assuming it means that you know you're like hoarding stuff against like the winter and like the bad yeah, times. It, 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 it's probably exactly just that. So, like no no other uh, things bolted onto it it just uh, probably is what's called a character trait which doesn't have like if you have this then you also get this stuff uh, it's its own mechanical thing entirely encompassed by the word hoarding uh, and yeah it, it, that's what it means like <laughs> you're you're hoarding stuff because that's what you do when you're a farmer you you need to stockpile Especially because this is we're, we're talking like a peasant ass farmer, so like out in the out in the country, on your own, yeah, subsistence. Indeed. Then we've got the 
we've got the leads that we talked about, which are like potential mm-hmm. exits from this. And the lead offers here are villager, soldier, or servitude. So from these leads, maybe you spent eight years as a farmer. You know, then maybe you like you move back into like the mainstay of the village and you do something else there in the village. Uh, maybe you go away to join the army, you become a soldier, or perhaps you're you're enlisted in like the service of like the local burger or the local noble or whatever, and you move into his household and you. Don't, you could pick a life path from there and you'd go off in different directions depending on where you went. Now, if I'm correct in what, again, correct me if I'm wrong, what you said earlier, Hans, was like, if you didn't want to take any of those leads, presumably there would be like other life paths within the sort of same sphere as the farmer that you could jump to. Yeah. So this, this farmer is in the peasant uh, setting. Yeah. So if, if you were born a peasant and you moved on to farmer and you don't like any of the exit options for farmer, you can just pick another one from the peasant setting. So you could go from like being a farmer into being, I don't know exactly if the, you meet the requirements yet, but like you could become the head of household. So you're like like, like a clan <laughs> family chief sort of in, in the peasant world. Now, I believe the, the number of life paths you can take that's something that the GM sets at the start of the game as, yeah. as a sort of like power level, isn't it? Yeah, that, that is exactly what it is. So uh, at the start of the game, you figure out like, what sort of a game you want to play. And part of that is, uh, it, it could just be like the person running the game coming into like, okay, so I want to play like a, like a very, let's say we're, we're playing a, a, like a adventure game in the finest tradition. So I want like the first level feel like to reference D20 games. Uh, so I want like the first level feel, uh, we're going to go on adventure into some caves probably. Uh, and uh, then we're, we're, that, what that means is we're going to pick three life paths because that gives you something, but it does not give you a lot. It gives you a very sort of like fresh and, and young as well because uh, you, you get older as you take life paths. So it gives you a young person who has some skill, but not a lot. And they have a lot to learn, and they will advance their various stats and skills quite quickly because they are bad at most of the stuff. Um, if you if you build your character uh, that way, you you might just like invest everything into like one or two skills and be like okay ish at, at a couple of things, but you will be entirely clueless with the rest. Um, so that that's the sort of like result that the number of life paths give you uh, playing like. Two, one or two life path characters, basically children. Uh, so you get into uh, the more like uh, adult territory uh, with like three and and above uh, life paths. So it, I believe in the book it says like three are like novices, so like just fresh people. Um, then four is kind of uh, accomplished. Uh, and then like five is is you're getting into veteran territory and if you go for sixes then that is quite powerful already like you you get a lot of points for that uh if you like depending on what like life paths you choose obviously but you could go places if you get six life paths i mean you you mentioned sort of like the power level there as well Mm -hmm. one of the things i found interesting about the game is it, it very unapologetically says right from the start right all of these these different character races, etc., are, are not balanced. They're not sort of all on a level. So it's like the the elves are like 
are pretty fucking powerful when you come down to it. Whereas the orcs, like you say, they have like a thoroughly miserable sort of slavish like existence. Yeah. You might lose both of your hands <laughs> before you get to play. <laughs> that's exactly, and that, that very much puts in mind. I mean, one of the things that's often like mentioned about the original sort of a uh, sort of life path system. Got the name of the game. It's just going traveler. To traveler. That's it. The um, the life path system in that is that one of the options was if you you could always keep trying to go for an extra one, but like say you're in the military or something, mm-hmm. every time you tried going for one, there was a risk that like you might get killed in action. Yeah, that, so, like, that scout. Yeah, so it's <laughs> like before the games even started, it's like oh, like my characters died like during creation, but I've got to roll up another one. And although although it's not quite that level in, in yeah. Burning Wheel, obviously with some certainly with some of the orc paths. Where you know you have like a chance that like every time you take certain paths to, to become like disfigured or gain wounds because mm-hmm. they're a very sort of you know the strong like rule by crushing the weak yeah. sort of society you yeah. know T- Tolkien orcs like we were saying yeah. I-, I quite like the fact that as well as going like right I've done this life path so I know how old I am I know how many abilities I've got I know what sort of powers I'm like kicking out also you can be like right there's obviously some like nasty shit has like happened to me. Yeah. in my life as well so uh, uh, straight from the get-go you've already got like a lot of positives but also negatives to help you like again build this sort of like more rounded character mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's very much a, a thing that the burning wheel life path system does because uh what we haven't mentioned yet is in each life path <clears throat> you get skills uh, not all of them give you like you need to pick from these skills but a lot of them do so like with the farmer, for example, the skill that you will need to pick up if you were a farmer is farming because you can't, you, you, that's what you did. So you cannot avoid having learned farming if you were a farmer. And also, because uh, it's, it's the one thing uh, that they had on the trait list, uh, you always have to pick up the first skill and the first trait in each life path. So the farmer will have to have learned some farming and they will also have to get the hoarding trait. Yeah. So like that that's what you will end up even though like that's you you're a king by the end of this life path process, but you will always have had the the farmer there and therefore you know a little bit about farming and you're also a hoarder because so that's what you learned. That's that's pretty cool so like let's say you might end up being some like high class noble but you've always sort of got in your back of your mind, like, oh, you know, I've got to, like, prepare for the winter and, you know, I've got to make sure I've got, like, all my, like, supplies yeah. and, and stuff like that because yeah. you, you've been through that hot, those harsh winters mm-hmm. like, back on the farm when you were, like, a lad and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's and, pretty cool. And it also allows, like, well, the orcs are in, a, like, a different category, like you said. Like, when you get, I, I think, the was it, like, four? Like, you, you could live as an orc uh, up until, like, four life paths and be fine but if you're older than that you will have started to become too much of a big deal for people to leave you alone which is why if you're if you have more life paths than four i, I don't even four or five but anyway if you if you go above that limit as an orc uh, you need to start rolling on this one random thing in the character creation uh about like how did you do like did you survive because like you were making a name for yourself in this horrendous society that deals with like violence day in day out, and uh, if you, if you grew older, great, and maybe you picked up a nice life path. You're an orc leader now, but you won that position by duel, and that guy sawed off your leg before you managed to kill them. But now now you you're down one leg, and 
that that's cool. If you had six life paths to pick, maybe you want to stop there. Maybe you don't want to pick the sixth one because you already lost a leg. But if you pick another one, you roll again to see how your society just mangles you as you are uh, growing in potence. And um, you could, in in this this particular instance, the the orc could uh, like roll on the thing and see like, oh, I already lost one of my hands. And then you roll in the second one, and you lose your other hand. And you go, I don't want to play a guy with both of his hands chopped off. So I'm gonna back off. And what that means is you can you get to keep your other hand, but you 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 stop there because you backed off. Some big orc boss was like, "What you gonna do, git? Do do you want do you want trouble?" And you were like, "Nope, <laughs> I do not." So you miss out on the life path, but you get to keep your hand, which is just the most orc thing I guess <laughs> in, in this game. Uh, but th there's there's stuff that like like I said, like orcs is just like violence and misery but uh, as a human you could also build in some of that like like damage into your guy uh when you like pick your life paths maybe you go into like the servitude life path yeah, but you were uh you were a slave for a bit and you're gonna pick up <laughs> a trait from that as well and uh that will influence your character like you you, you were a slave and you have the trait that slavery gives you uh, i forget the exact name of it but i do believe that it's it's basically like you you were beaten <laughs> like you were beaten down and kind of broken as a slave so it's uh, it actually has like mechanical effects like you're you're easier to uh, mess with as far as like social influence goes because you were like crushed <laughs> as a person because you were a slave for a bit but you could still be the king uh like you, you could just move on from from there but uh, you you will be a king who has like psychological damage as a result of his history. But all this is just character generation, right? Yeah, yeah, this is character generation. Yeah. So w once you start the game, mm -hmm. the uh, you can't go back to our life path one. Then you proceed into the XP. Uh, yeah. So this is the life path thing. <clears throat> Uh, ends uh, and is locked in stone once like play begins. So your last life path is the thing that you completed the last, and then play begins. Like just before the play begins, your life path, uh, your previous life path, the, the very last life path actually, is the thing that you just finished doing. Yeah. So uh, if you if you were uh, a farmer for eight years, and then play begins, that's what you did, and. Now something else happens, maybe. Probably, because it's a game. Probably there's going to be orcs. Yeah, but you're not going to, like like in, in Warhammer, where mm -hmm. you, if you need to pro uh, progress, you need to mm -hmm. pick a new... Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, this is just for your background and building yeah. your character. So once play uh, begins, uh, you don't like get new life paths or um, like any, any of that stuff. Uh, that's done. And then character uh, progress and advancement happens. Yeah, so Matthew, if you want to play an org, you have to chop off your own hands. Yeah, yeah, if you if you want to, like, cosplay. <laughs> okay. Method act cosplay an orc as a human, I guess you would chop your hands off and be like, hey, boys, <laughs> I'm, I'm an orc now. I've seen some things, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a real orc, boy. 
Yeah. I do want to throw a question into the ring yep. while we're in go, this go area. It. I think Hannes actually answered this um, off uh, air a while ago when I asked it, but I suppose it's good to ask for the podcast. We mm. talked a lot about elves and orcs and maybe even dwarves at one point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but does so does Burning Wheel have like a default setting, or is it more like a toolkit and you build a setting around the players? Yeah, this is the thing that they do address. Uh, probably in the codex because that's where most of that stuff is um burning wheel does not have a setting but it has an implied setting through the life path so like like i was saying to dennis you can't really pick a life path for an elf where you were a a a prisoner who war which speaks about the setting for the elves like that's that's not a thing that happens to elves uh but it's it's not like there is no setting but there is setting baked into the character creation process. So the character creation process brings with it some setting elements, uh, which is like, it's, it's not really a, a true, like full-fledged setting and Burning Wheel like actively goes out of his way, uh, Lucrain in the books to say that you don't like, don't, don't do that. Like, don't start with like I'm gonna draw a huge map with like 16 continents and like I'm gonna plan all this out. Um, basically, you you start building the setting from the characters. So if you're an elf, probably there's gonna be elves in the game because you're one, uh, unless you explicitly <laughs> state that yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna there's be the last one. elf. <laughs> yeah. So if you play an elf, you're gonna bring elf stuff into the game and. Uh, through your character creation, maybe um, maybe you're the king of elves. Cool. So that probably means you you get a lot of resource points to spend. You're probably buying like a if you want to, you, you could probably buy like an elven citadel. So I you you start up with a fortress. Uh, you buy an army into said fortress. Uh, you buy yourself a queen and maybe some other friends as well. Um, so it, immediately like. Uh, an elven setting spawns around your character as you buy these things. Uh, Same goes that, for the, the rest. So and rather than we... having like a forgotten realms type, you know, mm-hmm. structure there, yeah. it's more in the book. Each race gives a flavor, which implies the kind of like the kind of like things that you're gonna find in this world when you've constructed. So it's more like a it gives you direction, but not a, a thousand of years worth of history to work with. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does, that's that's exactly it, and it doesn't really like it's not just like the species stuff. So, but I'll, I'll elaborate. So, just because you have elves doesn't need to mean that you have uh, like Haldir and the rest who come to Helm's Deep to help honor honor the alliance of of elves and men for the last time with my beautiful face. Um, it doesn't need to mean that if you have elves in the game. You could all make elf characters and be just like, one of you is a bard, there's a lore master, and maybe a shipbuilder and a hunter. Like, we, we never need to, like, progress into fighting orcs or any of that stuff. Uh, we, we could do something else entirely with that set of... Maybe we, like, dig through, like, ancient elven ruins. Like, we know that we live for thousands of years. There's probably going to be some like tens of thousands of years old ruins that we need, we go explore. And then we find out about our own race's background. Maybe there's some like heinous dark elf king somewhere that we, <laughs> we find ruins that talk about this guy. And we're like, whoa, shit. Uh, <laughs> this sounds like a bad thing. And like you, you can, the, the characters that you make like dictate 
all of what's going on in the game as far as like the flavor goes because there's like of course like you, as the player uh, the the guy running the game yeah you could bring in demons but like that's not really what that situation that i just described like spelunking through ancient elven ruins and figuring out your race's like troubled history and this like bad king and maybe they have like a bloodline and there's you're gonna start like a whole like family feud and you're gonna sunder like the the royal line with these discoveries and whatnot i i wouldn't necessarily bring in like and there's a balrog <laughs> and now now demon fight so, so this bring up the interesting uh like since it's not forgotten realms, mm-hmm. and it does uh, have this um, Tolkien label. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> aside from um, it not it being not Middle Earth, mm-hmm. so is it um, is it the flavor? Is it the um, the grand fantasy aspect of Tolkien? Or I mean, or is it just like we have the very classic fantasy races, and that's the Tolkien aspect of it. Okay, so now now I'm I'm getting to your point. So, w- what is the Tolkien? Is your question? Yeah. Uh, all of the the stocks. Uh, humans are kind of an exception because there's humans have the most um, like extensive uh, selection of settings for their uh, character creation stuff. Uh, orcs, elves, and uh, dwarves are all throughout flavored uh, to be extremely like Tolkien. So orcs, just brutal stuff day in, day out. They're just horrendous to each other. Like their, their society is built on just like spite and anger and violence at every turn. Um, and uh, their uh, life paths are all like reflective of that. So like there's no happy dude life path with the orcs. It's just like chattel slave. And then slightly less of a slave, but still a slave, and kind of a medium slave, and then a slave driver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like you say. I mean, to, to go to like the the dwarves as well, they're all sort of like they're, they're all the the life paths are based around you know like being sort of like clan warriors and sort of like people who like hold these huge dwarven keeps and uh, sort of master artisans. And but but it's also tempered by the fact that they're very driven to acquire things they're like it, mm-hmm. a, a bit like um a, a bit like foreign open children like the, the hobbit where he's, he's like he's like oh, i want to reclaim this hold because it's my hold it's my it, it's my shit it belongs to mm-hmm. me yeah. and i want it back the door the dwarves have a trait called greed where they're basically just driven to like acquire stuff and it doesn't just have to be money but they're very sort of driven they have that sort of almost like greedy nature of the the dwarves from Tolkien where mm-hmm. there's a lot of things where you read it in Tolkien where you're like oh everything would have been all right if the dwarves had just been like chill never mind <laughs> let, let bygones be bygones but they're that locked into the fact that like you know they've got their oaths and they've got their grudges and they're like oh that used to belong to the dwarves a hundred years ago so like whatever how much blood it takes however many like hundreds of years we have to like toil at it we're going to get that back because it's ours mm-hmm and that they're very flavored like that and the elves are very are very sort of magic magically linked they're like ma- magic's like because uh, magic works differently for different like life paths and different stock but like the elves they have um their magic's called songs and some of them are more sort of like archetypally magic 
but a lot of the songs are sort of based on what might seem like mundane skills. I know there's one that me and Johannes have been talking about where it's uh, it's basically a song for like making wine and like mm-hmm. booze. And it's yeah, like, the purple can, song. Yeah, the purple song. It's like if you're a human, you can get a skill that allows you to make booze and like make beer and stuff like that. You can if you're mm-hmm. a dwarf. That's absolutely fine. But the dwarf skill for like making booze is flavored differently to the human one, and that's flavored differently to the elves. So the elves are like singing this magical song. They're all about like bringing the. I mean, I don't know whether they literally sing, but I, I like to imagine they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a uh, the 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 way it's obviously you're free to interpret this stuff, but it's it's implied that the what's called skill songs. So for example, the purple song, it's it's this sort of like natural magic that the elves have like their their life their their life is magic because they are magical beings uh it's it's a song that is sort of like a mnemonic device for them so they they have like figured out and memorized like the best stuff about making wine and there's a song about it and you sing that you work your magic and you 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 make the wine and the end end result is the wine uh so it's kind of like an instructional song as well. So you, you like bring up all the good stuff in your brain when you sing the thing. And these are the skill songs. There's like, like John said, there's like magical stuff, like making the, <laughs> making the river swallow the dark riders. Yeah, yeah, but but when when so <clears throat> let's um, say we have a, an elf doing the purple song, mm-hmm. and we have uh, someone observing this. Does. Mm-hmm wine magically appeared or no 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 it's it's just the elf has this song which helps him do a better job okay so he still have to pick the grapes and ferment the grapes yeah yeah yeah. the the, the stuff doesn't move on its own but it's uh, it's it's a like the uh, compendium of making the best wines ever put into a song format which you sing for yourself as you do the thing okay okay yep so like that's the uh, like going back to like where's the Tolkien? Uh, the elves are all about song. Tolkien's world building stuff is all about songs. Um, the elves are also better. <laughs> just just, just generally, stop. yeah. Just like they're just better in in every way. Um, the elven uh, purple song is better than the human skill vintner. It just is like the the it it works better. Um, the elven hunting skill is better than the human hunting skill. Like it's just they they get everything better. So, I mean, and also, while humans, the, there's a there's an age scale at the end where you total like what's my age, and then you get your like uh, physical stats and your your mental stats like baseline pool that you can then dis- distribute. Humans degrade as 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 we know. <laughs> we're, we're all getting there slowly. Um, humans as they get older yeah they might get like to a point they their like mental pool increases but their physical one starts dropping off and so does the mental one as you progress on along the age uh the elven thing goes up to like several thousand years it's just like keep piling like you just get more stuff the older you are and that's that's the theme with the elves like if if you have an elf with six life paths you could be the king of the elves you're gonna be shit hot <laughs> and Meanwhile, the human guy could be like, "I'm the king of the humans." I'm. Can anyone remind me where I live? <laughs> and the elf king is just like, "Oh, fucking 
Oh man. Yeah. So <laughs> to, to give you guys an example, the this is this is what the write up of the the Purple Songs says. It says, Elven vintners are possessed with a unique perspective. They are able to literally watch their wines age. A hundred-year vintage is a matter of course for them. This skill is similar to the vintner skill, which would be the more standard human skill, except the wine made using the purple song may be treated with the antiphon union and imbued with either a lyric of healing or the doom of strength, because the elves can like, link all of their songs together and like tie enchantments into... like. Sort of normal thing, so you might make a wine be like, Oh, because I've got I can link it with this song to like tie some sort of healing power into it. Um, and then it gives you like a series of obstacles. So, for instance, if you've got the purple song and you're like, Oh, I just want to, I'm going to like a party, but it's like a, a human party and I'm an elf, you know, they ain't gonna know like a, a fine, like hell of an vintage. You could be like, Oh, I just want to knock out some like cheap ass like wine for this like human party because that's still gonna be better than any of the stuff they're drinking. So that's like an obstacle, what like literally like a difficulty one, like mm-hmm. roll, and you can just be like, There yep. you go, <clears throat> that there, there is a nice bottle of cheap wine, and it gives you um, all the various sort of uh what it calls like the forks or field of related knowledges which are like other skills that you can use to sort of boost up your attempt with this skill so if you've got like the grain song and you've got the purple song because you've got more of a rounded knowledge base you get you might get an extra dice for that because you've got more knowledge you can put into it but of course you still have to have as it says here you still have to have access to a workshop and the ingredients, you've still actually got to like make the wine and stuff. It's just you've potentially got like all these years of knowledge, and like Yanis um, was saying, you've you've got this mnemonic, this song memorized, where you've spent like fifty to eighty years like perfecting the perfect wine, so you can just like knock out like a normal wine, just like I oh, didn't take me too long. Whereas the more sort of human guy, he's obviously had to learn it probably through trial and error. He's doing it in the more sort of like mechanical way. So it, it'll be different when you're using the human skill to make wine. Well, you say that, but the elf took uh, 200 years of learning it. The human just took a month. Well, well that's it. And you, you probably find that, uh, I can't recall specifically offhand, but you probably find it like the elven life paths give you more age. Yeah, you, yeah, they do. <laughs> so so you might say like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to be like a starting like human and I'm a human winemaker. You might be like, oh, I've, I've taken a few life paths. I'm like 20 years old or whatever. Whereas the elves like, I have spent 150 years watching the grapes ripen on the vine and testing the rhythms of the earth. That, that sort of thing. Almost deal, yeah. ready to harvest. Exactly, exactly yeah. So, and I, I love all of that. So I would say it is, although... It seems to me it's like the most Tolkien feeling game that isn't actually like a game that said like right we're making Middle Earth we're making yep. Lord of the Rings or whatever. One of one of the things I, I do want to add on to the top of this like all this for the purple song, and it's what's called open ended, which is like magical stuff in in Burning Wheel, uh, which means if you roll sixes you get to roll additional dice. So. If you roll a six on an open-ended uh, skill, yeah, you have one success, and also you get to roll a second die for each six that you roll. Uh, it doesn't like spiral out of control, but yeah. Um, now, I, was, I, do, I do have a quick question. So, in yeah. this example of the purple song, uh, mm-hmm. you're talking about it being open-ended. So, let's mm-hmm. say in our example, like I've got a difficulty one. I'm trying to make like a, some cheap wine for this human party. Let's yep. say I keep rolling. I roll a few sixes, and I get 
four successes, could I mm-hmm. then use those extra successes to go like, actually, I've made a bit better wine, or like, I've knocked yep. out four bottles of cheap wine. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a thing where you can spend your like if you're if you're working, let's say you know that you're gonna make this shitty ass uh, Aldi wine <laughs> for the humans, uh, even though like Aldi has pretty good like cheap wines by the way like no, not to knock on any of those like they're pretty good uh but um if you want to make your your cheap wine for the humans uh and you know that like you have like let's say it's like six dice with, with your like four purple song and then you like fork in some other stuff uh let's say you have six dice and you need one success you're gonna say oh i'm gonna work uh quickly or i'm gonna work uh What's it like patiently or whatever, uh, which means at the end, like you, you let's say roll like five successes all together with re-rolling a couple of, um, oh, well, five successes by having re-rolled like a couple of sixes. You uh, you just say state that well, I only needed one, I got five, so I'm gonna spend these four into making it a quality product or whatever. Uh, there, there's a couple of things you can you can put them towards. Which so then you could also make a quantity, yeah, like more cheap wine. Yeah, yeah. There's like you can benefit from your stuff if you do things that are easier. Okay, so it's similar to a spin from food. I, I think basically what I'm trying to say, Dennis, is, is if like Johannes gets around to running the game and I play an elf, we're not going to get short of wine. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, like just to, just to point it out, if you are a human vintner, you get the skill vintner. Cool you can probably make wines. There's an elf who can just sing at the grapes and he's going to have healing potions in wine form. Like, and it, it's not going to be difficult for him <laughs> to do that. Uh, which, which is, again, like to the talking thing. The elf is just better. Like, you're not going to win uh, by like un- unless like you bring in all your wilds and and whatnot. The elves are just going to be better at everything because yeah, their their like mundane shit to them is magical. It's like um, in that example, it's like okay, yeah, if you're a human and you want to make like a a healing potion, if you've like spent like a lot of time getting the necessary skill to be able to like bind magic into something. Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of time. You could probably end up with pretty much the same sort of healing potion, but you'll have to spend years and years learning how to do it. You'll have to get loads of complicated ingredients, go through like a whole like ridiculously long process to do this. Whereas, like you say, the elves like sat over in a corner, like singing at his grapes and and like doing yeah. some mumbo jumbo over his wine, and he's like, yeah. And this is now uh, elven wine uh, infused with the lyric of healing. And it will help us restore these Mordor wounds that we have, or whatnot. And then again, with the, the with the dwarves, uh, their like special stat is called greed. They get greedy uh, for things that they want. Uh, with the elves, again, with the talking theme, they get grief. So they feel uh, negatively <laughs> about things. So elves are impacted by the bad stuff that they bear witness to or that happens to them. So if you need to fight, if if you need to murder people in a in a fight uh that will impact your grief um if you are betrayed by your closest friend you you bet your ass that's gonna make you sad um so like all the bad stuff that happens uh like just keeps like chipping away at an elf and their like weariness of of life uh, on this earth and at the end like if, if you reach uh grief 10 uh your character basically like just goes 
I can't do this anymore. And you just depart for the Grey Havens and you, you, you go back to uh, uh, Arvindor uh, and you, you live out in the Elvenlands because like you, you cannot deal with this anymore. The yeah, humans have made yeah. this so bad. They're I need to be. They're depressed. So let's say to stay with the, the cheap wine from Aldi. Um, <laughs> yeah, boy. I love the way it sounds like we're trying to get a sponsorship deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this uh, Red Death Diary sponsored by Aldi. <laughs> Please Fuck you, wine. <laughs> so let, let's say um, the crafting mechanics uh, states mm -hmm. that it takes, just for argument's sake, a week to yep. produce one unit of wine. Yep. Would that be the same for an elf, for a dwarf, or for an, uh, and for a human? I'm assuming an orc is just gonna drink some wine and then piss in a bottle, and that's all. They, they probably have some because, like, these are all, by the way, it's just like themed uh, as far as names go as well. Because like, elves have the purple song, humans get vintner, dwarves probably get like brewing something or other. I don't know if the orcs have one, but it's probably disgusting because like they, all of their stuff is like orc as hell. I mean, it's, it's like to give you an example. I mean, obviously not related to the wine, but it's like if you're a human and you're like, oh, I want to be fairly socially adept, you might have like some skills with like charm and like negotiate with people. If you're an elf, you might have some skills where it's like your mere, the beauty of your presence can like awe people. Whereas if you're an orc, you get things like poisonous platitudes where it's like you're just like grime a worm tongue style. You're like snippling these like slight snide remarks all with the eventual aim of like throwing people off their guard so you can like really stick the knife in when they're yeah. down. But because you're an orc and that's what you do, you don't just like persuade people normally. Yeah, there, there's no diplomacy skill to be had. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, even Poisonous Platitude, it's like, this is like a rare ability amongst the orcs because normally yeah. they don't bother wasting the time to like throw people off their guard with sort of like poison pen words. They just sort of like get in there and like deal with them. Yeah, sneak. But uh, to get back to your, your question uh, there, Dennis, uh, the uh i don't remember if there's 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 probably not like a different time scale for things but there is in that uh a human winter has um probably less that they can call upon not always but like just by standard they have less of a chance to have successes over their uh needed requirement to lessen the time that it takes than an elf because like just even if they both have like four dice, the human winter rolls, you get two, that's what you needed, fine. The elf rolls, you're probably gonna get like three, like depending of obviously, like I, I don't know the statistics for this, so don't like it probably it, it is wrong. But the elf can re-roll sixes just by default by not doing anything. And that's before everything else. So like the elf and the human will make wine in the same amount of time. But the elf is better, so they can make it quicker. Oh yeah, yeah. If if okay, so <clears throat> but the elves came with the theme. Yeah, is just that, this is the wine podcast now. That's yeah, it, by man. the way, we are we are playing Burning Sommelier. Yeah. Wine dice stars. <laughs> yeah, it's so, red, uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the secret behind the name. Yep. And finally, we, we we figured it out, guys. <laughs> I say it was all about wine all the time, man. My secrets out. <laughs> so humans, they, I understand they can have faith. Yes. That, um, and that is something that they don't always have, but it's something you can select. Yeah, yeah. If you pick a, a religious life path, like there, there's a whole bunch of them, a whole setting. 
dedicated to it but there's like in the city you could be uh, uh like a city priest as well okay. uh like some of those have the uh, the trait faithful which like some of them i don't think it's necessary for any of them to pick that but you can pick that if you are one of those life paths that have it and uh if you if you pick that then you get the the faith stat as well okay. so so they don't have um keeping with the token theme uh, hopeful or resourceful or anything like that as no, a, as a, no. As the, the the humans are the most like expansive and flexible for things other than talking because they have sorcery as well which okay. is not really a thing so we have our our elven purple song master mm -hmm. but unfortunately he is also deeply depressed he has like a, a grief of eight mm -hmm. would that influence his uh, ability to make this wine he had made so many times and no one really appreciated anyways <laughs> it's it's the it's the non-appreciation that would affect him not really the making of the wine okay uh, so like you make the wine and that's okay but when you turn up like the 50th time and everyone just goes like nah huh. like i'm yeah. good i'm i i came with the with a car so i i can't drink um then that that might be like if if that's important to the character then that might be a, a, a thing but at that point it like this is the thing with grief um you, like you deaden as as you progress so if you are at, like, around like eight rejection uh, in in things important to you and just like outright uh like nasty stuff um and and just like combat and murder uh, are not going to be as impactful anymore because you are like beyond that. Oh, okay. So it's not you become more sensitive as such. No, it's no. more become more dead to it. Yeah, you like the world beats you down and you want nothing to do with it. Okay, like, that's the progression curve. Okay. So like, I I think like killing is uh, at four. Um, like as far as like the scale goes, so it goes from one to ten. Um, killing is at four so if you are at eight killing is not is not cool in your opinion but it's not gonna be as much of an impact anymore because it's probably happened a lot <laughs> to get you where you are okay so in, in that regard it's kind of like um, reverse humanity from a vampire yeah yeah you become less uh like well you become inured to the horrors of the world really so with, with greed Let's say you have a dwarf with an eight yeah. in greed. Yeah. Is that he is more greedy? Yes. And almost can't control his greed. Yes. Yes. Greedy as fuck. Okay. So we don't really want to roll into a an orc with an eight in, in hate. No. No. You don't. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> or, 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 never mind the dwarf. You just don't want to roll into a, an orc with an eight. eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the the things with like grief, it works as I just described it. Like at some point. If you're at eight grief, killing is not going to be hitting you as hard anymore. For greed and hatred, that's not true. Uh, you you always get the the nagging voice, whether it's like you should use that that, that jewel belongs to you, you should get that, or it's just like the goblin took my lunch again from the office fridge. I will murder him this time. Uh, it never stops uh, 
affecting you with uh, greed and hatred. Like all the small stuff always gets to you with those those two stats. Whereas grief, you you become kind of dead to it. Uh, but an, uh, a dwarf never stops growing greedier. An orc never stops getting more angry. <laughs> and um, with with humans, well, it's that their thing doesn't advance by default. So like if if you mess around with faith. Uh, it it too advances, but it's it's not the same thing. But it's more like a, a traditional power. Yeah, it's 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 more of a traditional stat. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, when you've got faith, it allows you to call on sort of it allows you to pray, do prayers to call on like divine intervention. And there's like a series of sort of common prayer effects with like difficulties associated with them. So you use it almost like a skill. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna. Yep. Oh, I'm just pick an example. So there's um one here called aid which has a difficulty of four where when your sort of physical bodies are lacking the necessary power you call upon your deity to give you like the the tolerance and the ability to succeed in something you're doing so if you meet that four successes it gives you like an extra dice to any skill stat steel or health test you want to do and any additional successes you get give you like an extra dice so you could be like the weakest like person in the world and you're like oh shit i'm about to get attacked by this like orc or whatever and you like call on the power of your god and if you get like six successes you're suddenly like right that's three extra dice to like whatever i'm doing okay so is faith open-ended yes yeah so all All magical stuff is okay yeah and that's that's the joke right all elven stuff is magic. <laughs> uh, by the way, dwarves also get like magic stuff. So they get like magical smithing, uh, for example. Like they make bomb ass uh, armor and and stuff. And uh, orcs get some some of their own as well. Uh, like they're, I don't know if this is open ended, but they their version of carpentry is called bastions of hatred. <laughs> and <laughs> you you build orc. Bastions of hatred, I guess. Yeah, but pr- pr- pretty much all of like the orc skills sound like the titles of like black metal albums. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's like when you when you when you're doing a project and you're really tired and you just want to go home, but you have to finish it. You tap into your rage and you you yeah. finish it by sheer rage. Yeah, you just like hammer the nails in with your hatred. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's like the, the the orcs don't do like your normal smithing like humans. They literally sort of like beat the metal into like submission, submission with like their yeah, raw hatred. Yeah. They, yeah, they don't heat it at all. They're just like. But it's it's got to be it's got to be one of the only the only role play books I've read, and obviously I've read like quite a few of them. Where I've been reading through the skill section, and I'm not just gone. Oh yeah, yeah. So you've got this skill, that skill, that skill, like pretty much every role playing game. Grand, and I've like skipped through to the end. Game. I know what this does. Because like, yeah, okay, the normal human skills, you pretty much know what they do. There are some like cool extra things in there that I'm sure we'll get onto in a bit. But mm-hmm. then just the fact that all the non-human stuff is like specifically flavored to like mm-hmm. the, the core sort of character, that particular trait of that non-human, is is a re- well really refreshing for one, and it also makes the skill section actually entertaining to read which i think is a fairly impressive achievement i mean yeah. to, to be fair all, all he need all the loot crane needs to do is like make an equipment section that's interesting and i'll like proclaim him like an rpg god well i mean you know you need your shoes right yeah yeah don't forget your shoes guys it's, but you should probably explain that to anyone who's listening yeah, yeah so in, in burning wheel you could buy for one resource point you could buy clothing 
and for one resource point you could also buy shoes so <laughs> they uh they it's it's one of those things that designers like to bake into their uh games sometimes probably some like inside joke at some point during the, their thing but yeah. like, you need to pay separately for your shoes well it's like we were saying when we were um we're doing castles and crusades the other night uh, yeah. because like troll lord games who made that they were sort of involved with like gary gygax sort of back in the early days and he sort of like, he was like a real enthusiast for like pole arms and stuff yeah. like that. There were like loads of them in the original D and D. There are there is like every pole arm you can like imagine mm-hmm. like different types in the Castles and Crusades equipment list because it's another one of these sort of in jokes where they're like, oh Gary liked all these pole arms, so we're going to keep yeah. them in Castles and Crusades. And the whole like shoes thing, it's just like a a cheeky little sort of like uh, system writer like in joke that's been sort of like baked mm-hmm. into the system. Yep. And they, they also use uh, that sort of in like the character creation uh, examples where the character that's being made is like an elven woodsman type character. And one of their instincts is never wear shoes. <laughs> so. uh, I mean, it is an, an entertaining book to read. It's also yeah. a very confusing book to read. Yes, it is, because it doesn't, this is the, the biggest thing with the burning wheel core book the the gold edition revised that we are looking at here is um it 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 doesn't have like the manual to use it it has like the you you can scrape together a game with the base book you would benefit immensely if you read the codex uh advice as well which is the the thing that led me um to not really like even the idea of the game for uh, a couple of years it just sat on myself myself and i um i i increased my hatred attribute <laughs> every time i thought about it I'm like oh, that game yeah and, i mean uh... it, it's part of the reason why as i said like, i'm halfway through sort of reading the reading the codex now and i'm about three quarters of the way through reading the main book and normally when i get a book i read one book all the way to the end i go mm-hmm. on to the next book but because the way the first book's laid out, like I say, it is just like a dense tome of rules. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really tell you how to play the game. I'm sort of having to read them both at the same time because one, mm-hmm. the codex very much informs what you can see in the first book. So I mean, it, it does tell you how to do it. It just in it's a very indirect way. It's yeah, like... but but it's like it's a case of like I think that the way I'm having to do it is by reading the sort of codex, I'm sort of now going like, all right, okay, now I can see like why they've made that decision in the game. And they talk about the ramifications that might have in your own game and like in your setting. And like if you wanted to tweak it, what the effects might be of that. Whereas sort of looking at the rules, I was like, do you know what? I could probably run a game with just like the, the main sort of gold edition book, but I think I'd feel far more comfortable and prepared running a game, having read through the codex and sort of, got a bit more of an insight into what's in the main book. Yep. Right, so what bit of the uh, the main book would you like to go on to next, Johannes? Any particular bits you'd like to give us a bit of a flavour of? Also, uh, even though, like like I said, the humans have the most potential uh, for like non-Tolkien stuff just by default uh, because it's it's, it doesn't say Tolkien on the front. It says fantasy role-playing. So they probably just, for the, the fact that people like all kinds of things in their fantasy, they do include the faith. So like magical um, 
believe. Yeah. And uh, and magic as well. So you have sorcerers, you have uh, all, all kinds of uh, summoning and whatnot, um, which is not really a, a big thing for humans uh, in in Tolkien stuff. Uh, there is though still some like Tolkien sprinklings in the human life path. You get uh, one life path in the outcast setting, which is sort of like the people who fell through the cracks of society, um, and it is um, it's on it's on the very last page of the human life path. It's called Strider. Yeah, I wonder who that guy is. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get. I mean, I mean, he likes to smoke a pipe in a tavern. <laughs> yeah, sounds Rude. like one of those rangers. Yeah, strange folk. Yeah, strange folk from the north. Uh, yeah, so you like basically the skill list is like, you're you're a ranger from the north, you're Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and uh, your the trait that you get is loner, because that's that's what you do <laughs> when yeah. you're a strider. So there is a there is a bit of uh, talking in the humans as well. Uh, if you if you like dig in, but there's like definitely the human section is like build your own fantasy shit with this that's, yeah that's basically it, the it, it, I, I agree I mean, it very much feels like if you go for a not a non-human you're pretty much like locking yourself into that like heavy like yeah. tolkien stylings whereas if you if you maybe don't want to get as much into that or you want to sort of do things a bit sort of like your own way then the the human is definitely the way to go because well, we, which i quite yeah. like because how, how often do we hear in a role-playing game like you know like oh um we've got all these like weird like non-humans all like fantastic abilities and then they're like oh we need to like find a way to like convince people to play humans oh they've got a they get an extra feat or they get like a couple of extra attributes and that i can see from a purely game balance point of view why games do that but it's let's face it it's not very interesting whereas the fact that in burning wheel as a human you're sort of power if you want as well as not having some like ridiculous like emotional trait that's going to eventually like drag you into a yawning <laughs> abyss of despair as well as not having that you also have the widest palette possible to make your character so mm -hmm. which as far as i see like it's one of the few games i mean i, I love like playing my non-humans but this is one of the few games where i was like oh do you know what yeah i'd actually quite fancy playing like a human character because there's a lot more i could put my own stamp on it a lot more than i could yeah. do i mean don't get me wrong like i'll play an elf and like whoop out that purple song and make wine all day every day yeah. but if i if i was like, i don't really fancy going down that sort of heavy tolkien route i'd be quite happy playing a human in this game whereas i don't often play them in other games I mean, one thing I, that, that struck me when I was reading it, and this is uh, years ago, was that it's um, <clears throat> it struck me as not being uh, like you have the options of dwarf, elf, and orc, but it's kind of like um, you you make a a concept like all humans or all elves, as opposed to the standard D and D party where you have a, a, a wide variety of a, a mix of races all on adventure because it didn't like i guess an, a dwarf could work with a human an elf sure i guess but an orc i mean who in the right mind would travel with an orc even if he uh, proclaims he's one of the nice guys and you're like yeah i don't know about that bob yeah i i, I saw you like <laughs> eating that guy that we killed like yeah. i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait so i mean to, to give you an example like one of the one of the like abilities you can get as an orc is literally 
if you've got like a whip, you can like, like let's say um, to make someone more likely to succeed at a task, you can basically like whack them with the whip. You're like, go on, get over there and fight. And if they accept that, it gives them like an extra dice. Yeah. So even when you're trying to like encourage your people on, oh, you're, enc- you're so, encouraging so. them by brutalizing them with a whip. Oh, you're, so you're saying uh, where's the, there's a whip, there's a will. Dennis, Dennis, that's it's it's called the trait is called where there's a whip, there's a way. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's that's orcs to you. It's 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 not good. But I, but I, it they they do address this thing in the books as well. Like how do you do the thing where you you have maybe like a couple of humans and elf and then there's an orc. Like how how do you do that? And well, the, the obvious like if you're going with Tolkien stuff, like uh, just to highlight this. You don't have to go with Tolkien stuff, even though the things are flavored with them. So your elves, if you use the rules for the elves, are going to have grief. And that's going to like put on a certain flavor for them. But mm. they don't need to be Tolkien elves any other way. Like That could be the thing. Uh, but And then you build on like a culture of their own in mm. on top of that. And that's fine. And you can do that with the orcs as well. Like You could, if you wanted to, uh, like have the orcs be... <laughs> not so like awful <laughs> i guess uh you could just say that like, yeah, they they are this different species and they are just accepted like the rest and like spin it some other way uh the the fact that they work how they do so you just like downplay maybe some of the stuff in the life paths you keep the hatred because that's that honestly that's just fun <laughs> Like, have these guys who are, like, gripped by this, like, intensity somehow, and then, like, downplay the fact that all of their shit on, 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 like, the surface level is flavored, like, chattel slave, cool. And then you look down the list and you're like, well, uh, they're, they're talking about, like, what's this, like, there's a life path called a named, and it's like, yeah, you, uh, you lived, like, 20 years or so, so now you get to have a name. Because now, now we are at least like interested in this nominal way. Like we need a word to call you, and before that, you're just like a lump of flesh that they beat up whenever they feel like it. You downplay all that and like uh, include these like intense emotional species in your game. But of course, that involves like just scraping off all the awful shit, which, to be fair, is most of the shit in the orcs. Now, if I remember correctly, I can't remember exactly how this works, so. Uh... But please, like, fill in the details, Johanna. So, there's a bit. Is it at the end of a session or at the end of adventure where effectively people can acquire traits by like agreement yeah. of the rest of the group? Because I know yeah. when, when I was talking about the the where there's a whip, there's a way. There's a thing where like if you if you accept it too many times, it's like it's quite likely in that vote you're going to get a trait that's associated with the fact that you're sort of subservient to the lash, effectively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing in Burning Wheel called the trait vote, which is suggested that it takes place uh, like every six or ten sessions. Burning Wheel is like blatantly they say it over and over in the books. Burning Wheel is, is built for like long form campaigns. Um, every six or ten sessions, uh, you take stock of what has happened, or like at appropriate times. So like if you finish like a like an important quest or an arc, you could just do it then. But um, in the trade vote, we assess each character from our perspectives as players, 
we assess them and we we propose we make a list of of traits that we feel that this character earned by the behavior that they engaged in in, in play so if if uh john continually whipped uh danny mcgee and i'm not saying that's what happens in real life but if that happens uh maybe we've had a few drinks at the games expo but other yeah. Than that. yeah post purple song is when this goes on the purple haze if you will um so if danny mcgee gets whipped by uh john the orc several times uh and is is fine with it does not retaliate is is cool with that uh we're probably going to propose some traits relating to that uh for danny mcgee uh so maybe like subservient to the lash or maybe scar back because like you get you get beat on <laughs> your you, your skin is destroyed or or some some other thing like maybe maybe if you if you play that way maybe we just vote on like you're just dumb like you you don't like <laughs> register shit that happens to you like maybe maybe you're like deficient in some way uh as far as like reacting on on uh things or maybe we uh, if you play it that way maybe we put on the list like cunning because like you're like every time this happens every time john the orc like beats you down and then you then you do the thing you you go into this like soon my precious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we vote on like yeah you're you're cunning you're planning some shit and you're taking the beating because you you have this plan um and then once we have the list uh, like everyone gets to propose one uh, except uh, danny mcgee because he doesn't get to dictate our perception so everyone proposes one trait and then we vote on them and then we like the thing that gets the most votes uh danny mcgee gets that uh, as a trait going forward uh and that's that's one of the things that is like ad advancement in Burning Wheel as far as characters go. You get more traits as you go. You can also get rid of traits. So in the trait vote, uh, like the the second thing that we do is we look at the traits that you have, Danny McGee. <clears throat> if we have like, uh, let's say you earned cunning because you are you have this master plan to destroy John the Ark, and it necessitates that John the Ark looks at you like a subservient dog, and you've been working on it and you've succeeded uh you got cunning for that and then you have like a another trait there which is like mm, like short tempered or like something that would be like at odds with what's been going on which is you planning on stuff um or like spontaneous or whatever we could maybe go like is this still true like, do we feel that this is true about Danny McGee anymore? Because it, it seems like Danny McGee is not, uh, like, let's say you have a subservient to the leash and you have this thing going on and we go, wait a minute, you're not subservient to the leash, are you? You're, you're, just, a, you're just a sneaky boy and you're doing this for some other reason. So we, we can then say that maybe we remove the, the trait that doesn't apply anymore. So that's how you get rid of the... If you're a king and you don't want to be a hoarder, this is <laughs> this is how we get rid of that. So as a king, you're just like, yeah, just go ahead, have all the grain from the granaries. Yeah, just like, uh, let's hold a feast. Yeah, and it's like, sire, it's the winter. Perhaps we should conserve. Nonsense! My feast hall is the best in the land. And you just like throw everything out. We're just like, yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> no I, I, hoarder. I, I can see the point in that, but also, if you have a a trait that yep. you're not using or role-playing yep. why not just cut to the chase and 
not have that uh, trade? Well, so what you're proposing is in the system whereby uh, you are required to take stuff during character. Yeah, but not necessarily like those trades. I mean, yeah. even those trades, I guess, could be up for negotiation. But if, let's say, I get hoarding, yeah, right, because it's, it was on a list, yeah, and I haven't role played hoarding for yeah. six sessions, mm -hmm. John proposes, hey, I don't think you've been hoarding. And I'm like, no, it happened. And then I lose it. So why not cut to the chase and say, I don't want to play it, it allows you time to do the thing if you want to. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and basically... And also it gives you flavor. Yeah, like you say, it's basically a period of time where, like, uh, if you're... You know you've got that period of time where, like, if you still wanted to have hoarding, you can sort of, like, weave it in a little bit, even if you're not, like, hoarding everything all the time, rather than sort of, like, me the GM or whoever just arbitrarily sort of saying oh you're not hoarding so let's say let's say hoarding has been proposed for like removal it's still got to go through the vote so if I say oh Dennis hasn't been hoarding I think we should remove that and uh, Matthew and um, Johannes are like yeah but actually do, do you remember that time when uh, when he like got, got all of those vegetables and he like put them in that like safe store like warehouse because so we might need him in the future we actually think like he has been hoarding so they vote both vote oh no we're not going to vote for like getting rid of that so you get to keep it yeah and also like some of the traits come with stuff that affect your character other than just like having the thing uh, which also has mechanical benefits and and that's that's fine but like if you were a slave you're gonna get the trait that like makes it more difficult for you to resist other people when they tell you what to do <laughs> and, and if you were just allowed to be like i, I don't want to be that then what's the point of of the play slave life path at that point so it's basically yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get some stuff that's not going to be used and that's fine that's a feature of the system and they will get removed by this trade vote okay so so the slave trade aside yeah. let's say we have hoarding and um mm -hmm. We are in a situation where we uh, we need to leave quickly, and you cannot get all your stuff. We are in a in a like a the heat movie situation. You have to be ready to leave everything behind, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And you are harder, so obviously that's a bit difficult. Is that a, like a a will save kind of mechanic to like? No, no. Catherine? The the hoarder, I don't think this is. I haven't looked it up, but I think it's just a character trait. I say just, it's not yeah. insignificant. But I, I looked up earlier. There's no mechanics yeah. associated with the it. The character trait doesn't have any more mechanical stuff on it, which is to say, it's up to you. So if you have the hoarding uh, character trait, and we need to go, and you're <laughs> you're worried about your turnips, uh, it's up to you as a player to be like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this trait, or I'm gonna leave. And if you play the trait, you go get your turnips from the seller, and uh, then there's there's probably going to be some complications because that's what the game is about. You have a trait which makes you want some stuff, and you pursue that stuff. The person who runs the game is in a position where they need to provide you opposition. So you want your turnips. I'm going to try to deny your turnips to you. At least I will offer opposition. And okay, so it's not you a go fate. get that. You go get that, you, you get the turnips, you come out, ah, you need to duel an orc or whatever the situation is. 
right. and that's fine. At the end of the session, we go, so Dennis, uh, you have, uh, what, what traits do you have? And you're like, yeah, I have all these. And we're like, didn't you get into a fight with an orc and you like lost an eye or like we, we were delayed and the coach left and now we have to like hike through the mountains. Uh, didn't, didn't that happen because you have a trait called hoarding and you, you did the thing and you go, yeah, we're good. here you go. Here's, here's some points for you, Dennis. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that so that's is what a, happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's advancement. So uh, if you have love mechanic, if if you your character's life is complicated by the stuff on your sheet, chances are there's going to be points for you at the end okay. of it. Okay. 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 So like that. That's the way uh, you like benefit from these uh, character traits, which don't like they don't have any more mechanics. It's it's just this mechanic that you get what's basically like an experience point kinda in Burning Wheel if yeah. you play them in game and it complicates your life. Then so, flavor that gets you into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you are a sailor, I think all of there's like several different sailor life paths, uh, aside from like captains and ships, carpenters or whatever. But like life paths named sailor, I think maybe all of them uh, come with the trait drunk, and not like not every sailor is going to be drunkard. But <laughs> if you're a sailor, you have the opportunity because you get the trait to be a drunkard, and every time there's alcohol, you can be like, well. <laughs> Here we go, boys. <laughs> I'm, I'm going in and cause trouble. So, so what we're basically saying is I'm going to be playing an elf who makes like a load of wine and Dennis is going to be playing a sailor who drinks all the wine. Yeah. Also, one of the things that like differentiates humans from the rest, uh, the other stocks don't get as many traits. They they have fewer traits and generally they are just like highlighting the, the fact that they are awesome. Aside from the orcs, they, they just get the stick. But uh, for elves, like all, all your traits are like, oh, <laughs> like I am, I am the goodest, and I am the bestest, and know it allest. And with the humans, you're like, drunkard, dumb, uh, problems, idiot. <laughs> and it's like, well, nice. And you also get like more like useful stuff, like cold-hearted and <laughs> penny-wise. Okay, now you're mentioning all about this, like having like knowledge now I we should mm -hmm. probably start sort of like wrapping up so we're not getting into like a deep dive yeah. into the system yeah. but before we sort of finish one thing I would like to talk about that you mentioned touched on there is mm -hmm. the wise traits in the game which I mean you have talked about yeah. so would you be able to give us like a sort of brief rundown of like what the wise traits are and how they work so uh, for Burning Wheel there's a separate skill like grouping called wises so these are things like forest wise uh, uh, soldier wise porridge wise dwarf wise any, anything wise um, what that means is you have knowledge about a thing you might have a skill called dwarf wise you are not a dwarf but you know about dwarves and uh, it's a special class of skills in that it allows you to uh, do two things um, aside from like using it to your advantage. So like one of the like most common uses for wise skills is forking, as, as John said before, using fields of related knowledge to help your actual thing that you're doing. So if you were to murder a dwarf, if you're rolling to murder a dwarf and you know about dwarves, you get an extra die because you know about dwarves. Um, 
but uh, the actual uses of the skill itself uh, are twofold. First, you get to ask questions about the, the things that you know about from the person running the game. So if you wanted to know, like, where's, where do dragons, this is an actual example from the books, uh, where, where do dragons come from? And then there's a, there's a thing for, like, if, you, if, if the person running the game has an idea of where that dragons are coming from, um, you have two options. Maybe you make them roll their dragon-wise test, or you, you just tell them if, if that's what you want to do. Um, the second use of the wisest skills is you get to establish facts. So instead of asking me where the dragons come from, you could say, I want to establish this fact with my dragon-wise skill that the dragons come from <laughs> mountain. And uh, then I go, cool. So make, make your roll. Uh, or if, if there's nothing on the line, I don't have a better idea. Maybe I just go like, yeah, that, that's exactly where they are from. And that's true. So that, that is then true of the setting of the world. Uh, if, you, if you roll for it, maybe you fail. And maybe it's not exactly like you thought it was. But we, we'll find out, I guess, when we get to mountain. <laughs> OK, so if, if we have a situation like that, and uh, mm -hmm. dragons uh, are from this mountain, and uh, you fill the roll, could mm -hmm. that be this is the common rumor? It's yeah, it, it could be like, yeah, they, it's, it's, it's what you've heard, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah, you failed the thing. And maybe the result is, like, we, we talk about this beforehand, uh, at least somewhat. Yeah, because so maybe, there's no, you don't know that, right? There's, yeah. there's still, okay, it's true or it's not true. Yeah, and if you fail, it's, it's not true in the way that you wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, so you go there. Maybe there's a dragon. Maybe something's different. Maybe there's it's a dragon graveyard. Like who knows? But uh, if you if you like in everything else in Burning Wheel, if you succeed, what you stated is true. So if you say I'm gonna use my sword to kill the king, you succeed. The king is dead. There's, it's dead. And if you want to establish where the dragons are from, if you succeed, that's where they're from, because you know that. But if you fail in either case. Mm, probably not going to be good for you. <laughs> yeah, so presumably you could say like, oh, if they failed in that, that dragon role, you mm -hmm. might say something like, oh, well, there are dragons in that mountain and, that, and like you've heard rumours that's where they're from, but perhaps that's not actually where all dragons are from or like you say, it's just maybe maybe dragons were like seen in that mountain in some yeah. particularly traumatic event. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and that's one of the things I, I, why I wanted to bring them up before we wrapped up because I, I really do love the wise skills because as you say even whether you succeed or fail you're still sort of enriching the game background yeah. so with our example you succeed great you've established where dragons come from that's a fact in the game we've added to the game world mm -hmm. if you don't succeed the gm's still going to come up with something based on where dragons come from based on your like original yeah. question so you've still yeah. added to the game world yeah because you you're interested in this so we're gonna we're gonna pursue that i, I want to highlight one more example because it's not just like asking questions about uh like interrogating the world like like an encyclopedia like it's not the full extent of the wises one of the other examples in the book says um i think there was like a couple of knights or whatever and uh they they wanted to kill the other knight before the tourney so what they wanted to do was um i forget was it like a nobility wise or like knight wise or whatever 
but uh, no, it was like trial by combat wise. Yeah. So they had like a, th there was a thing going on and these two guys were set to uh, have a duel to the death to establish like who was right. And they wanted to poison this, this probably like NPC um, before the actual fight. So one of the characters uh, wants to use their trial by uh, combat wise to establish that there is a tradition whereby like the combatants offer each other a, a glass of wine before the the fight itself and the, of course you're going to poison your <laughs> you're going to poison that wine uh but in in that example like if you succeed cool there is such a tradition then you make your rolls to poison the wine and whatever you go do the thing if you succeed everything goes well you poison the guy and you're like oh shame <laughs> Shame that we didn't have to fight at all. Uh, uh, perhaps we should hang the dude who served the wine so that I, I don't get caught. <laughs> but um, uh, the the failure conditions that they highlight in that is, okay, so you want to establish this tradition. Um, maybe when you fail, it's still true. Like This is true about Burning Wheel, by the way. Uh, whenever you fail, it doesn't mean that you the thing that you wanted doesn't happen. It might be just like that happens and also this other thing and you're like oh i didn't want that but i i guess i got what i wanted but not in the way that i wanted or, or something like that so in this instance you have the wine sharing ceremony you've poisoned the wine that you're going to offer to your opponent and in addition you, you fail the role and the person running the game goes cool so there's this tradition where you go into the ceremony and the wines that you offer to each other pass by the king and he takes a sip as well. And you're just like, fuck, <laughs> shit, we killed the king. Like, wh wh what shit is going to spawn off of that? Uh, and that's just brilliant shit, in my opinion. Because it, it's basically like just a disaster simulator <laughs> at that point. <laughs> okay, so before we wrap up, does anyone else have any questions or anything else they want to bring up? Uh, no, I mean, uh, not other than if uh, Johannes can recommend any cheap wine from LD. I forget the name. It, it was years ago. Uh, but uh, Now we are almost sponsored. It, it was it was like five euros, something like that, and it was pretty good. It was a red one. To, to, to be fair, man, I've drank a fair bit of wine from LD at various LOP events. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, I was like, oh, I'm on a budget and I, I kind of want something to go with the food. I was going to a thing where like we all brought food and whatever. I, I wanted to bring a bottle of wine. I'm like, I don't have a lot of money and I kind of want, I'll just take this five euro thing and just apologize after. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that was pretty good. That that purple song that the so, Germans have, I guess. Yeah. Okay, Matthew, have you got any questions or anything you'd like to ask? Uh, um, nothing that strikes out immediately, you know. Obviously, I don't, I don't, I've been listening, trying to learn more. So yeah. There's a there's a lot. I I just feel like I suppose if I was someone who'd never played the game before, I'd be like, well, how much do I actually need to know to play? That would be the kind of question. Get yeah. going. And it, it's a go. very good question, and it depends entirely on what kind of character you have. So if you have an elf and you have like sixteen different skill and spell songs, oof, <laughs> oof, uh, maybe don't do that. Um, so for if if you want to start simply. Uh, probably make a character with not a lot of special skills as such like whole subsystems is, is what i'm talking about so if you have a human who's like a knight and a noble cool 
don't really need to learn a whole lot. Like you, you have the basic resolution where you form your pool of dice, you roll against an, a, a number, and that's it. Uh, you'll get by with that character with uh, that mechanic for uh, like 99% of the time. If you're a human sorcerer, you get a whole like different subsystem bolted onto your character, which like you need, to, I guess, uh, you would learn. want to be familiar with. Uh, the casting of spells and and mm-hmm. the toll that that takes on you. If you want to learn new spells, like that's that's a whole other thing. It it depends so on the on the character. So like the the more like non magical the character is, the the easier it is to deal with it. Also, I'd be remiss to finish off without pointing out that there are additional sort of uh, stock life paths in the codex. There's a uh, there's trolls. There's like talk, giant like talking wolves, and there's like the the sort of like rat people, isn't there? Yeah, rodent. Which that's not really talking, but the the rat people who are uh, well, the rat people. <laughs> they they sort of like they they have their own culture, whether they they're like peaceful field mice and whatever, and then they also have this like whole other thing going on whereby they've been influenced by human culture because they live like close by humans. Uh, so- if, if you wanted to play a race that isn't uh, one of the standardized ones, would that be a lot of work? Or would it, that be down to the GM sort of side of things? Yeah. Uh, that would depend on like how different you want it. If you, There's a, an, an example in the books. Again, I'm using this because they all apply to your questions, which is brilliant. So in the books, uh, there's an example of like someone wanted to play uh, like a half yeti, uh, half troll, or yeah. whatever okay. that thing was. So you basically, you, you took like you built the base of the character with the troll life pass, and then we, you just like swap some stuff out and and in as well. Uh, like that's the easiest way to work if you wanted to have a different thing going on. So if you wanted to play something like as as a more like connected to like um, what's been said before, is so you play like an Azimar or a Diva or something like that. Mm-hmm. Would you start with human and then yeah. you'd you'd like shift a few things in and out? Yeah, that that would be really easy. You don't need to change anything. Uh, you would, you would make a human, and provided that you have enough trait points, you would just buy a couple of traits, and you'll be done. Because there's there's like tainted bloodline <laughs> stuff in the book. Uh, you could also um, make um, cause in in for humans, you could get fey blood or, or uh, tainted heritage. Was uh, uh, legacy? Yeah, tainted legacy or fey blood. Uh, with Fey Blood, you get to pick one trait from uh, elves, dwarves, or orcs. <laughs> so that's cool. You could be a human with um, the elven trait, uh, Essence of the Earth. You're never going to die unless someone murders you. You're never going to get sick. You <laughs> you don't suffer from aging. Yeah, it's a it's a good deal. Or in you... terms of a life path, that makes that makes that's a no brainer, right? Because then you you eventually be able to get more life paths. Uh, well, no. The uh, life paths are like separate thing. You just you establish before you start the game, uh, or rather, like before you make the characters. Like we're gonna make four life path characters, and then you make those. Like you, you don't you don't get to benefit from your potential immortality because you're still human. Age affects the the attributes, right? This. Yes. Yes. So, not dying from old age is probably quite useful in this game. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's cool. Humans also get there's a separate like human trait that you don't need to go to elf elf town for, which is like vigor of youth or something like that, uh, which is like you don't suffer from being an old ass dude. Presumably, the, um, the 
because obviously we're talking about like in game, the effects mm-hmm. of aging can only really come in. In fact, we're doing like the four life path thing. The effects of aging only come in if like you either ran the game for a ridiculously long amount of time, mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. had like sort of like periods of like downtime where you're like, and fifty years has passed. Yeah, and, and then like you say, you might get the advantage of like you go, oh yeah, because well, my fey blood, like. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I don't. I'm, I'm grand. I'm not. I'm not degrading or whatever. Whereas, like a normal human, they might have to start looking at maybe their stats have started changing a little bit because, like, they're now like mm-hmm. seventy years old or whatever. Yeah. So, if you wanted to put like a construct or something like that, something a bit out there, is that like not possible? Does it have to be something fantasy based, essentially? There's something that I could throw together from, uh, like, the monstrous traits. From the codex and and other traits as well, but mainly mainly from there, I would draw some stuff, and then we would just determine like, um, like what sort of construct we're talking about. Okay, are, are we talking like Tin Man, who's been in the workshops like banging away building stuff? Probably yeah, know, like like a golem or something like that. Or, yeah, or yeah. Well, depending on like what what the what the like whole like concept for the character is like are you a combat uh golem or are you like a smith golem or whatever it's, it's probably going to be like we're, we're gonna pick some human life paths and we're gonna bolt on some some extra traits maybe we're gonna build uh your character out of troll life paths we're gonna bolt on some traits change some around and okay. that that's you done but the the baseline uh, is like <laughs> it's, it's it takes a lot of work to make a life path system, right? Because you need a lot of life paths in it. So, like making whole new, like from whole cloth, entirely detailed uh, stocks for this game is quite a bit of work if you want to put like a lot of thought into it. Um, so, in that way, it's it's quite difficult. But if you if you can get what you want with swapping a few things around, uh, that could be done uh, quite much, easily. A much easier way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to work out where the, the sort of the hard edges of the game is. You know, like yeah. where, where, how how much you could bend it before it starts yeah. to break and that kind of thing. It's 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 not a lot really. Um, the game is has been described as like the Swiss watch of role playing games, and it, it's kind of true. Like the more stuff you start adding on it. Uh, the more like everything interlocks, and it already like just the basic stuff just interlocks tightly, uh, and the more you mess with it, the more it starts feeling weird. But like stuff like I want to be like this construct brute. That's fairly easy. We just take like the troll stuff and we we like change the names of things. Mm. Uh, like that's that's fine. But if you just like I want to be a mind flare, and it's like ah, I don't. <laughs> We don't have the rules for mind flayers. Come on, man! Just a one time. <laughs> it's only be one for one time. To, to be honest, in our hypothetical game, we're talking about you'd be more likely to be a wine flayer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I bet it doesn't stop at flaying. It awesome. probably goes deeper. Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys, for joining me. To anyone listening. That has just been us rambling a little bit about Burning Wheel. Hopefully, if I can get the guys together, we'll get to do like a bit more, maybe sort of like delve into specific parts of the system. But this yep. is, I mean, there's loads more we could talk about. I mean, we could quietly do like double this amount of time talking oh, yeah, about Burning Wheel and sure. there'd still be stuff to spare. But this has just been like a very, very brief sort of skim over the surface of Burning Wheel. I know, Johannes, you're hoping to, to run a game at some point in the future. So hopefully 
we'll get some more insights from that when that happens and like i say hopefully i'll be able to get you guys together at some point to maybe like drill into like specific parts of the system and have yep. a bit of a chat about that so and, that, and also like if we, if we want to uh we could do like a demo like make a character yeah that'd okay. be cool i'd love to do that yeah 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 so that that's something for the idea Excellent. cupboard so uh, thank you to Johannes, Dennis and Matthew aka Danny McGee for joining me today and chatting about Burning Wheel, thank you to anyone who's listening, take care whatever you're playing, have fun and we'll see you in the future, bye bye, bye.